Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! He did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. I am your host, Jim Root, joined by the rest of the three-man weave crew, Kai McEwen and Matt Cox. It is the Wednesday episode of bboc so you get weave wednesdays coming into your ears every week we'll be dropping an episode talking all things betting in the world of college hoops on today's episode we're going through our typical segments if you are new to the show we've got live dogs we've got blowouts we've got games of the week we've got mid-major games of the week we have a trash man pick of the week and we have a spotlight section where this week, Kai, it is oops, more game previews. So <laughs> we, we're dipping into more Wednesday and Thursday games because they're so good. We're going to give a little bit more of love to those. But first, we get into our opening section. That is the live dog of the week. Uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh, there's my dog. Uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh, there's my dog. Pretty solid week for us. Monmouth led for 30 minutes. Couldn't get it done outright, but they did cover against Drexel. UC San Diego led for 25 minutes at Irvine and faded badly. No cover. <sighs> and then Matthew, your Hail Mary, South Florida. I only bet them to cover. They came back and won outright. Mr. Cox, take a take a quick victory lap. Yeah, the Bulls were running, and I was running with them on a victory lap. Shout to uh, Penny and the squad, which seems like they have, like, the season has ended there. I, I don't get how these teams go through such sharp psychological changes like they were having an awesome year and then they have one loss and it's like the the sky is falling and there's chemistry issues and penny's making like all these subliminal post-game comments that reads terribly it's like dude you got beat by it whatever you lost it's fine your, your season's not over yet it's gonna be okay i don't understand like illinois did this last year is like they're riding high then they and ah, everyone hates each other and it's like oh no we're back it's just like let's all just act even keel like it's okay it's a short season and it's long it's short ish season it's gonna be okay. It's basketball. eighteen to twenty-three year olds. But the, the weird is like what, what you're saying. When the coaches like subtweet the players, they're like, oh, "That's I the can't worst." Get these Penny... guys to get along. Like, yeah, you recruited them. Relax. 
Penny needs a little PR coaching on that. Like, I don't, I feel like that's causing more harm than good. Yeah. And that's kind of what Underwood did last year, too. He was not pleased with his players and very public about it. But, anyways, but guys, nice let's job get Bulls. into nice job, yeah, Bulls. Good job. All, yeah. All this to say. Good job, Bulls. Let's get into this week's slate of live dogs. Only one on Wednesday that really jumped out to me, and I kind of love it, fellas. It is UTSA, a plus eight home dog against Tulane. Then on Thursday, a couple out of the big sky, Northern Colorado plus eight at Eastern Washington. Portland State plus six at home against Montana. Ryder plus nine at St. Peter's in the topsy-turvy Metro Atlantic. Kai, any of these really jump out to you? I will make mm -hmm. my strong case for UTSA, but I'll, I'll give you the floor first. Uh, Jim, I'm I'm going Ryder amongst the teams you picked out, and that's mainly because the Metro Atlantic is completely impossible to predict. Uh, so a team winning when they're presumably plus eight, plus nine underdogs uh, is very par for the course in, in this league. And 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 Ryder, excuse me, was preseason expected to be top three team in this league. They have enough talent to beat uh, St. Peter's on the road, who has been very very good. Uh, home court's not very strong in this conference. So, you know, being a dog versus being a home team doesn't mean as much in this league as other leagues. So, yeah, I, I think Ryder can pull one off here. The UTSA one's interesting. The problem is their defense is so, so bad. The worst defense in the American, they're allowing 1.2 points per possession. That's insane in league play, and there's not really a small sample size. It's, it's getting pretty significant now. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of like them plus eight, Matt, but I'm not sure they're going to win outright against Tulane, a team I admittedly love. I like UTSA. In fact, I love it, and I will be joining Jim on this. I just think they're playing way better. Like, it's just a team that's very undervalued. Like, Jordan Ivy Curry, a.k.a. Juice, has been great. Not sure if I love the matchup against the two-lane zone. Like, I think they're probably built to score better against just, like, a typical man-to-man. -man. But I think it's a good spot, and they're playing well. And, yeah, you're hopefully catch seven, eight. But the market might bet UTSA pretty heavy. But, yeah, pretty good value down the money line. Jim, not a lot of great options this week. I went through the the, the board myself. Um, some of the summit ones jumped out, but then I was like, I don't want a better summit road team doesn't ever in intrigue me. So, uh, nothing, nothing else. Just one and done for me. Yeah. Challenging slate for the, for the live dog here. Uh, part of that UTSA love Matthew, as, as you mentioned, they are playing better. It's just a great spot too. Tulane just had a rush the floor first top 10 program win in like two decades. I think that was a, a big emotional victory for them. UTSA. Now I know they just lost in OT to FAU, They've taken uh, Memphis and FAU, the two best teams, or ostensibly the two best teams in this league, to overtime. They have that upside, the high ceiling to perform up to that level and to catch a letdown effort from Tulane. I think this could be uh, a big shootout victory. It will be a ton of points. This guy mentioned UTSA's defense is bad, bad, but their offense is very good, so I think they can score with them. Uh, Ken Palm projects this over 170 points. That tells you what kind of shootout it's going to be, uh, but I, I do think UTSA can get the victory there. And I'm with Kai on Ryder. I, I think that one, uh, just St. Peter's sitting atop the league six and one. Ryder down there at two and five in the in the standings. It, it just feels like something could be a little funky given the preseason expectations. Ryder swept them last year, uh, and I, so I, I think I think the Bronx can get it done there on the road. But Matt, nothing nothing I can interest you with in Northern Colorado, like the absolute volume throwing fireball offense. The problem is they're playing Eastern Washington, who's been just as good, if not better. Yeah, I'm terrified of Northern Colorado, but I'm actually terrified of Eastern Washington. So I, I will have no dollars bet against my guy, David Riley, and the fiery eagles of Cheney this year. That's for sure. So stick it And to then the, the other big sky spot, Kai, 
Montana's in the middle. Like I think every mm. Big Sky team does this once or twice during the year where they play Saturday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday. And <laughs> this is the Thursday game in there for Montana after they just knocked off Weber State on Monday. Maybe going on the road to Portland State, you get a bit of a down effort. Uh, but it's only plus six. It's not like it's going to be some super great price on the underdog. KJ Allen's been out last two games for Portland State. He's really, really good. Portland State's team, I cannot figure out whatsoever, but they did beat Weber at home, right? Portland State at home, maybe a little bit better here. It's a team I just don't trust against Montana, a team that I think is pretty darn good this year. Um, they, they've been they've impressed me even without Money Williams. And Montana and Montana State both just won fading teams playing their third game in five days. So a little bit of market inflation for Montana coming off that 15-point win, which was really in a juicy, good spot. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of like the Porty State one, Jim. I give that one a good look, too. My bikes. Yeah, that if, if it was like plus eight, I'd probably bet it for sure. But uh, not I can jump in. Any other ones for you guys off the board here before we reiterate our selections for this week? Uh, none for me, Jim. Wow. Couldn't couldn't twist their arms. Matthew, you're shaking your head no as well. No, I looked at, like I said, the North Dakota State, North Dakota, North Dakota specifically at St. Thomas. They're playing like light and night and day better, light years better. Um, they lost to St. Thomas by, I think, 77 or something a couple weeks ago. So like an ultimate revenge type of spot there. But no, nothing for me. UTSA, I'm running with the runners and that's it. Hey, yep. I'm going UTSA and Ryder and Kai for you. Just Ryder. Just, just Ryder for me, Jim. Uh, I respect your UTSA take though. Riders and runners. Riders and runners. Right. Get it done for us this week. Again, UTSA is Wednesday. Ryder is Thursday. So keep an eye out for that. All right. Next section is Blowout City. Fellas, still not our best work here, but we at least got one. and We needed to see one go through the hoop here. Uh, Furman absolutely blasted VMI on the road, beat him 100-60. to 60. Fortunately, Hampton hung around at Hofstra, and then Matt, even in the bonus potential Saturday follow-up, they hung around with Monmouth. And my rogue suggestion of, of Liberty against FIU, they won by nine. Spread was like 11.5. Didn't quite get there, so... This one's tough during league play. The section is difficult. So proceed with caution, listeners, if you're uh, not sold by our, our our sell job on these, our pitches, then maybe stay away. We're probably not either. We're also not sold on <laughs> the old goods for Sonia. All right, I picked out two here for the uh, Blowout City. Wednesday, we've got Marquette headed to DePaul from a spot section here, from a spot angle. Uh, this is going to be mostly Marquette fans. When it's a Saturday game, it's mm-hmm. all Marquette fans. They come, they come down from Milwaukee and fill the stands, and uh, they every single DePaul marketing tool, a picture they use is always from the hosting Marquette because it's a sellout, and it looks like look at all this blue in the crowd. There's so many DePaul fans here, but no, it's pretty much all Marquette fans. And Kai, DePaul just fired their coach. Is this a program in disarray, or do they get mm-hmm. a new coach, interim coach bump? Yeah, that's always kind of the fear is. Sometimes these teams play sneaky good the first game after a firing or a change up in the locker room, a big injury, for instance, and then game two and three kind of goes downhill from there. But DePaul is not a team you can trust one in seven against the spread as a double digit dog this season. So they have not been good covering these big spreads. They've been getting smoked and Marquette, despite the injuries to a couple of their guards is a very, very good team. One that can definitely blow DePaul out. And yeah, Jim, like you said, even though it's a Wednesday, I expect more Marquette fans there than DePaul fans. Is it possible that Matt Brady is like a seismic upgrade as a basketball coach and thus may not be a reason to... Uh, is it Matt Brady, his... former IUPUI coach Matt Brady? No, nah, not... He wasn't... He was Marist and James Madison. 
uh you're you're thinking of uh oh james madison matt brady oh wow yes 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 like i i think he led them to their but hold on ken palm refreshing yeah he wasn't horrible yeah he would they had Last year in 2016, they were 91st overall in Kempom. That's actually higher than in, in Byington's gotten them. They had mm-hmm. Marist up to 100 in 2006. He's been an assistant everywhere. I think he was under Turgeon for a few years, and he bounced over to Oklahoma. I don't really know what he's been up to, but I'm pretty inclined I think to think got, he's going to He got turn fired, and people were wondering why he got fired. Okay. Similar to like from, the Fairfield thing where, where Jay Young gets ousted. They bring in uh, Casey, and Casey's been phenomenal. Like You could see a mm-hmm. similar type. of. I know it's an in-season change, not a preseason change where you have time to re- structure stuff but i don't know depaul is so rock bottom jim i'm sorry i i, I disavow this one i think they could be kind of feisty going forward yeah it could be a gal- could be galvanizing feisty. effect there so yeah i'm not mega sold on it. i do think there's some angles for you if you're looking for marquette they are capable of beating bad teams as kai mentioned depaul stinks as a big dog this year but the coach change makes it dicier tough to figure out the other one i, I proposed to the fellows here is thursday Pacific goes to St. Mary's. This is a 27-point spread. My gosh. Seems pretty big for a St. Mary's low-possession game, but the Gales are rolling. The offense has actually been very, very good lately. They smashed San Francisco. Uh, Josh Jefferson and Gus Marchulionis are starting to really perform on the offensive end. And the big stick here, sticking point, or sorry, not sticking point, the selling point for this one is that the WCC uses the net in tiebreakers. So if it were to come down to St. Mary's and Gonzaga are tied atop the league based on common opponents head-to-head, it would go to the net. So blowing out bad teams is very incentivized. Matt, see Gonzaga beating San Diego on the road by 42 this weekend. Does that help you get on the Gale side here on a Thursday home date? 27 is such a laughably big number, but I I kind of... Yeah, I kind of get it. I mean, they just beat Santa Clara by, what, 24? San Francisco on the road by 17. They won at LMU uh, a week before that. They beat Portland by 40, sandwich in between there. So, yeah, I think 27 is layable. I do, if that's a word. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll poke it. I should have taken no when Randy Bennett was acting way too cool for school during these, like, early trials and tribulations. Like, he thought this team was going to be fine, and we should have just all believed him, and it turns out they might just be really good after all. Yeah, I I can't lay 27. I think that's crazy. It's going to be a low possession game, relatively speaking. Uh, Pacific's the worst ATS team in the country, though. Uh, And they are three and seven against the spread as a double digit dog. So it's not like nuts, but this would be their largest spread of the season. uh, 27 points by a significant margin, too. I believe they were. Yeah, they're almost a 20 point dog in San Francisco and they took him to overtime. So it's not impossible for Pacific to compete randomly. St. Mary's is amazing, but I'm not sure I can lay 27. Yeah, I think I'm going to lay this one. Um, Kyle, you mentioned the Pacific, the worst ATS team in the country. This is the second time in three years that Leonard Perry has been the worst ATS coach in the country. I was going to say 2022. Yeah. They were horrible 2021-22, and that was like, they can't keep being this bad, they can't keep being this bad, and they kept rolling over and dying. I think they went like 4-24 and 24 against the spread, if I remember mm. correctly. Uh, it, it's entirely possible they continue to be that way. And with St. Mary's, like I said, motivated and incentivized to win by as much as possible, I think that one could get ugly. Big Bets on Campus is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. This offer is applicable for new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. 
must be 21 or older to qualify gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Let's move on to the big ones, the big guns, the power game of the week. Oh, feel the power. Oh, I can feel it. The biggest one of the week is Wednesday in the SEC. I call it the Iron Ball, even though it's Iron Bowl, the basketball version. Matthew Auburn headed to Alabama. Should be a track meet. Ken Palm expects almost 170 points. All kinds of perimeter shooting in this one. To me, the difference could be at the rim where Auburn is dominant. What do you see here? Ken Palm projects the spread as the tide minus two. It does feel low, but I think that just shows how good Auburn's been. I think the prevailing narrative around this game, and Bruce Pearl would even say this himself, is like, we really haven't played anybody yet. Um, mm-hmm. They've been killing good to even very good teams, and they just beat Mississippi. I think it's a very good team by, what, 23 beat LSU by 15, beat AM by 11, although that game was basically tied with three minutes to play. This is their first true test because I think we've learned that USC was not really a test. Indiana was not really a test with all due respect. Um, and they really only, their only two losses were at App State and, and the neutral against Baylor. So Bama, different beast. They've been playing much better. The only thing they've done wrong, Kai, is lose to Tennessee by 20. And Tennessee's been blowing a lot of people out, but Dalton Connect playing like an absolute superhero I like the tide here, just the fact that Auburn hasn't truly stepped up in premier class in a while. I just think mm-hmm. it's a pretty good fade situation, despite me believing that this team is very real and a Final Four contender. I don't give a piss about nothing but the tide, baby! Yeah, uh, top 10 on defense and offense in the country is Auburn, right? There's not many teams that are that across the country, like like a handful. I think they're a title contender. Broom is an All-American. Pearl's a great coach. But yes, the schedule is certainly something that sticks out, right? They have one win against the Kempom top 50 this season. They've only played two games against Kempom top 50. They've, they've played three true road games. Uh, they, they lost one of those obviously. And then one of them was at Arkansas, which has been easy for people to win at apparently yeah. this season. South Carolina <laughs> just did it. So I think this the is a different one was Vandy. It's like the third one was Vandy too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think this is a bit of a different breed. Bama kind of feels the pressure most likely now they are four and one in the conference, but their resume as a whole needs to stack more Q1, Q2 wins. This would be an opportunity. I, I do lean towards Alabama here. Don't give a pass about number time. Yeah, this feels like the absolute apex of Auburn's value in the market. Like, I think they're awesome. I don't think they're a top three team contending with UConn, Houston, Purdue. Like, I, I can see them in that two seed, maybe even fringe one seed conversation. But I think this is where they get humbled a little bit. 
Alabama really seems to shoot the ball way better at home. There's just a different confidence for them there. After a very, very cold shooting night at Tennessee, I mean, everything they put up that you could just see like their shoulders slump every time they missed. Uh, I think we see a much more confident tied team at home in a big rivalry game. I'm with these guys rolling with the home team there. Short spread. I mean, do you guys think it'll open higher? Yeah, yeah, I think, I it'll, think be like, so. it'll be like four. Really? All these okay. premier big time uh, they all get smashed. marquee games, they're always shaded the right way in terms of like, if there's a pretty big like narrative of Ken Palm market over inflation or something, I think usually it shades the right way. I think I would lay up to but four. But I think though, you could argue Alabama's overinflated. And Ken I kind of agree too. Right? I was just looking at that, and They beat Mississippi State on the road after Mississippi State got their big win against Kentucky. Um, they beat Missouri, South Carolina, and Vandy. Okay, good. And then they got smoked. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that take, Tim. I was sort of questioning myself as well. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just this is wishful thinking, hoping it's only two and not four and a half, because right. uh, I think four and a half is the absolute. Auburn's awesome. Play, Sports yeah. books. They're really good. Yes. Yes. Auburn's Open terrific. pick. Auburn will score at the rim at will. That's the only real concern here. Or not the only real concern, but it's my main concern for betting the tide. All right. Next up, Illinois headed to Northwestern. Terrence Shannon is back. Looked pretty good in his return. And these two played in Shannon's first game out, and Illinois completely stomped Northwestern. One by 30 in Champaign was never competitive. Of course, Northwestern's been nails at home, Matthew, other than against Chicago State. Do they find some revenge here? Ken Palm makes this Illinois minus four on the road at Welsh Ryan. Yeah, I kind of like the revenge angle here. Again, just siding with Big Ten home teams so far to date. The updated tally is 28 and 21 against the spread, 57%. I know Northwestern's home court is not respected as much as other home courts, but they've been very good at home this year, Jim. And last year, they were sort of the road warriors of this league. This year, they've been defending their home turf. Uh, I think they respond just out of their revenge angle. Matchup concerns still very much linger. Um, but in the Big Ten, I just think the spot typically trumps the matchup concerns. With so many good coaches trying to prepare, I think you can scheme against some matchup deficiencies, and the spot usually trumps. So I like the the Purple Kitties in this one. Yeah, backward size is a really big concern. Uh, Northwestern's wings and 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 guards are all pretty much under six six, and Illinois only plays guys that are over six six. <laughs> they are huge in the backcourt. I think that's a problem. Northwestern's defense due for some regression in Big Ten play, the worst in the conference right now. But teams are shooting seventy six percent from the line. They're shooting forty percent from three. They are crushing them inside. That is a concern. Illinois glass advantage, interior advantage. You know, they're going to get to the rim. They're, they're going to score on this defense most likely, but the shooting aggression should be coming. Northwestern, very good at forcing teams into turnovers. That's sort of their MO at home. Maybe they can do that against Illinois. Four seems quite short, though, Jim. Um, Northwestern beat them here last year, competed two years ago, but it's not like it's a long drive, and it, there should be plenty of Illinois faithful in the stands. Yeah, I, I can't figure this one out. I'm just looking at the, the history of Underwood versus, versus Northwestern. It's won nine of the last ten but he's only covered one of the last six. And that was that hmm. smashing this year down in Champaign for that five straight non-covers against Northwestern. That makes me a little bit nervous to back what I think is the better team. And as Matt said, if you really want to back a Big Ten road team, you got to have a great reason. I don't have a great reason here. So I'm not going to do it. Uh, you guys probably have the winner with Northwestern there. Yes. Nice job. I'm staying away. Okay. Kai stays away. Good. Oh, I have the winner. Good for me. Matt has the winner. Yes. Next up, it is the Battle of the Smiths out in the Pac-12. Craig Smith and Utah going on the road to Kyle Smith and Washington State. Two coaches trying to get over the hump out west here. Matthew, I know you love both these coaches. 
there's key injury status uh, updates to have on Wednesday night for Utah with Raleigh Worcester, Lawson Lovering having missed games recently. But the replacements, Davon Smith and Keba Keita, have been playing terrific. Anything for you, you know, Utah without the altitude edge here, are you going with the Cougars at home in Pullman? Right, coming off their, uh, or sorry, Washington State coming back from the California road trip back at home. I think they match up well with Utah's size, no question. And the way Miles Rice is playing, um, I actually give them a slight edge in the backcourt with some of the injuries. However, you guys have pointed out multiple times, Davion Smith's been awesome, like kind of a, a huge get for Utah to kind of help tie their injury concerns on the perimeter to get them through this stretch. Also provided a little dose of dynamism in the backcourt. I still side with Data Ray and Kyle Smith here at home in a close barn burner. Kind of a tragic situation that my uh, my Cougars are not more at the at-large picture. They've had a couple of close calls. They should have won at California. Um, you know, they win that game, one of their other early Pac-12 ones. They might be a little more, you know, in the in the thick of the hunt of the bubble after being Arizona, but they are not. They're up to run a pretty gaudy record, I think, in Pac-12 to even make a legit push for an at-large. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm leaning Wazoo here. Um, game one, it, it ended as a 22-point win for Utah, but it wasn't that way the entire game. Wazoo was up in the second half. They, they led by as many as six with 16 minutes to play, and they shot horribly. They were four for 20 from three. They couldn't finish anything inside. They grabbed 45% of their misses against Utah, dominated them on the offensive glass. Now, Keita dominated them on the other end, and that's a concern. You know, I don't really care that Levering's out because Jim mentioned Keita's been just as good or as better. I think Worcester matters a bit. Um, I, I think Wazoo has an easier time forcing turnovers against Utah than they did on their, on Utah's home floor, excuse me. Um, I, I think the switch in, in venue matters here. I, I lean towards Wazoo here um, in what should be a pick um, spread. Yep, I think this is a really, really good home spot. Revenge, kind of that angle all works. The matchup isn't some crazy deficient type of game, both on the court and in the coaching column. I think both Smiths are terrific, and uh, I think Kyle Smith will make the right adjustments. I think they get them at home. Like like you said, just close pick them spread. I'm glad I don't have to lay any points. I think that's what we'll see there. Last one quick to mention here in Power Game of the Week. We, we are going a little over on this section, but there's good games. Villanova, St. John's. I'm just going to pitch you guys. I think St. John's gets him again. I think Rick Pitino continues to run circles around Kyle Neptune as he did in the first meeting in Philadelphia. Minus two per Ken Palm Kai. Am I crazy or are you joining me? No, I think I'm with you here, Jim. Uh, the athleticism edge St. John's has, I think, matters quite a bit. Um, now, no Justin Moore in game one for Villanova. That matters. He's clearly a great player. They they really had UConn on the ropes last game. Um, obviously impressive. We don't know Jordan Dingle's status for St. John's. I assume he's out, but you know I'm, I'm not totally sure there. Uh, yeah, I, I think St. John's can get it done again. Soriano had a massive game in game one. He probably does once again. Stick with Eric Dixon, man. He's probably not going to shoot two for 10 from three like he did in the first matchup. But also, do you want Dixon shooting 10 threes? If you're St. John's, you might, you might want him to do that. So maybe that was part of the game plan. Make Eric Dixon beat you. I don't know. The point is, Matt, I'm going with the coaching. I'm leaning towards St. John's. Agree. And also, Ledlam was out in that game for St. John's. He's now back. They have R.J. Luis playing better and healthier than when he – it was his third game when they played Nova the first time. Now he's been back more acclimated. Would like to have Dingle in there, but uh, I, I like St. John's here. You guys kept it simple. I'm, I'm with you. Yep, rolling with the Johnnies as I initially pitched. All right, that's all Wednesday because Thursday is the mid-major game. Mid-major day for this week of college basketball. We're going to talk mid-major games of the week now. Just doozies on Thursday. 
Starting in the America East, Vermont at UMass Lowell, with apologies to Bryant, likely the two best teams in the conference here. Matthew Lowell, a three-point home favorite for Mr. Pomeroy. Vermont has been the big, bad bully at the top of the mountain for years in this conference. Does Lowell finally unseat them, or are you going with the Catamounts on the road as a dog? I'm taking Lowell. They beat Vermont last year at home by 15, um, and then per usual couldn't get over the hump in the rubber match. They lost at Vermont, and then they lost again at Vermont in the title game of the Americas tournament. I think they win this one, Jim. But yeah, I think this similar Vermont rules this league with an iron fist. That narrative continues this season, big picture. But in this game, I think Lowell, especially with Koalbale back, um, who I know has been kind of a shell of himself. He's not played much. I think he played nine minutes last game. My goodness. Um, still, I like the talent. I like their rise. I like the Riverhawks. Yeah, I'm going the other way. Um, you you can't give me Vermont as a plus three dog in, in this league. You can't give me Vermont as a dog in, in America East, period. Uh, I think they actually match up pretty well against UMass Lowell. Uh, they don't foul. UMass Lowell is number one in the league in free throw attempt rate. Vermont rebounds the ball, number one in the, in the conference in defensive rebound rate. That's Lowell's game. It's it's pound. It's pounding. It's physical. It's get to the rim. And, and I think Vermont is kind of built to defend that. And they have the best offense in the league on the other end, Vermont. They're, they're great shooters. They don't turn the ball over. This Lowell team's kind of been playing with fire. I know Koulibaly's back, like you said. Yeah, he's not effective right now. Um, his presence matters. They haven't lost with him back in the lineup. But I think Vermont's just too good. They're still the class of this league. Yeah, if you can turn... Lowell into jump shooters, their offense becomes nothing. And Vermont is so well coached that I think they're going to be able to do that. They actually have some size. Veretto's a great interior defender. Uh, this this is a very like spot versus matchup. I think the spot's great for Lowell, home home run type of thing against the the big bad bully of the conference coming to town. But uh, I just don't love the matchup for them against Vermont. And they did uh, Vermont got Bogues back last game. Mm-hmm. Very important athletic wing defender. Uh, will be very helpful in this matchup with his physicality. Next up, Grand Canyon at Stephen F. Austin in the whack. Boy, I, I early in the year, at the start of the year, I thought these were going to be the two top teams. Grand Canyon has clearly been the best team in this league. I don't know that you could say Stephen, Stephen F. Austin has been number two, but they are five and two in the league despite not playing that well. So this could give them a chance to uh, tie in the loss column atop the conference. GCU's coming off a loss at Seattle over the weekend, so maybe get by low here. Ty, what do you think? Can Stephen F. Austin force enough turnovers without coughing it up to GCU's pressure? Oh, man, this one's so tough. I I, I love both teams. Um, you know, similar to the last matchup, Stephen F. Austin did beat Grand Canyon at home last season, and Grand Canyon was pretty awesome. I I think there's something to that. I, Stephen F. Austin's so frustrating because they do just turn the ball over so much. They're so sloppy with it. But they can get back what they lose with that aspect with hustle plays and rebounding and just absolutely knocking the shit out of the other team for 24 hours, uh, 40 minutes, what have you. If the refs let them play, I think Stephen F. Austin has an advantage here. I think that their style of play lends to that. The concern, of course, is if they don't let them play, it's going to be a free throw thon for Grand Canyon. It's going to be uh, domination on that end of the floor. So. I'm pretty torn on this one. I'll probably stay away. I think it's Jack's just the spot screams Jack's that great schedule development where you get a whole week off after the Seattle win. Um, and GCU had to play on Saturday. Now they still get like most of the, the week off to, to make the travel, but still I, I like SFA here. I think at home, they create that havoc type of environment that'll play well for them. 
it could be an absolute demolition on the glass. That's my concern with the size discrepancy here. But I think, as Kai mentioned, SFA, especially at home, can counter that with all their um, with all their pressure. They can kind of take GCU out of their comfort zone and, and play the game as they dictate it. So I, I like the Jacks at home. Short home dog. Short home doggy. Yeah, I probably won't bet this game, but I do lean Stephen F. Austin at home. I, I think a type of team that they are pressure and kind of force the officials to make decisions in terms of are we fouling or are you going to let this go, all the hand checks and stuff, that plays up so much better at home in a massive home crowd environment. Like this is the best crowd SFA will have all year, most likely. I think that's going to be typical for GC playing road games. So I, I lean their way with the talent gap, especially offensively. Man, the way Grant Foster's playing, Blackshear's back in the lineup, and uh, Ray Harrison, it's it's hard to fully commit to the to SFA here. So I'm not quite going to do it, but I lean their way. You mentioned Bryce Drew as 0-2 in his career against SFA, at SFA. We, I, didn't, I didn't say that. There oh, you go, man. There you go. Facts. Yep. 0-3 coming up. All right, last one to mention, Oakland at Green Bay. Did not expect these two to be atop the horizon standings at this point in the year. But terrific coaching jobs by Greg Campy and Sonny Sundance Wicks on the Green Bay side has them there. Matt, a very slight favorite for the Golden Grizzlies on the road, minus one. Green Bay has sort of outperformed their advanced numbers. They, they've had some really good shooting luck in league play, if I don't say so myself. But uh, what does that do for this particular matchup for you on Thursday night? I lean toward Oakland. I would lean harder and I regret not betting Oakland in the first match between these two, just because it's the first time you're seeing the funky zone and the unorthodoxy that comes with playing this version of Oakland, especially much deeper, much more physical than what we've seen from prior years. Um, and also just the zone in general takes Noah Reynolds out of his, like I can wheel and deal and pick and roll and attack my guy off the dribble man to man. But son, Sonny Wicks, as you mentioned, great coach. I'm sure he will have something dialed up in the rematch here, um, especially at home. So ah, uh, they've also been all. Well, sorry, Oakland's been off for a whole week as well. Just something to know here too. I do lean Green Bay in this spot. No, I'm going Oakland. Also, Matt, you would not have covered if you bet Oakland uh, matchup one. Green Bay, as they've done all season, furious comeback. They were down 13, and they got up. Uh, they there was a seven or okay seven yeah, and a half. Yeah, their their uh, luck in conference play has been insane. Uh, so they're 15 for 36 in that game against Oakland from three, 41 percent. Oakland five for 17. No team has shot no 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 group of teams has shot worse against Green Bay in the league. It's a good than point. teams against Green yeah. Bay. Free throw 68, line too. Free, free throw, throw line. Sixty eight percent teams have shot against Green Bay. Second lowest in the conference. It's insane. And you saw you saw the regression a little bit at least on Green Bay's in against Northern Kentucky. I'm I'm furious. I did not bet Northern Kentucky. Yeah, uh, they stomped them. Green Bay couldn't hit anything because normal teams have those off nights. <laughs> I think they will again. I I, I lay Oakland here. I think they're just a much better team. I really do. Green Bay's risen 120 spots in Kimpum. They're peak value right now. Yep. I would keep an eye out on David Douglas's status for Green Bay too. He's been a part yep. of their scorching three-point shooting, but he's missed the last three games. Last time he played, he had 26 points on six of 10 three-point shooting. If he remains yep. out, just takes away one more weapon from a team that's been super reliant on jump shooting, and I don't think it's going to continue. So if he's out, yeah, I, I definitely lean Oakland getting the sweep there. All right, boys, now we've got Trash Man Pick of the Week. The Trash Man Pick of the Week. I'm the Trash Man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. That it? That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. I tried to be nice and leave Army out of it this time. 
They are playing at Boston U on Wednesday in a 121-point total game. So just to note that the troops are still playing ugly games. But we're going with Jacksonville State at Middle Tennessee. We mentioned Middle Tennessee in the section last week. Both these teams are slow. Both offenses are way worse than both defenses. That is why the predicted score is 60-57. to 57. Matthew, the JSU Gamecocks, minus three on the road at the Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee. You're going to go with the the great home environment that Middle Tennessee has built. Yeah, I am, but unfortunately at home so far, they've lost to Louisiana Tech and lost to Sam Houston at home to start league play. Now, those are the two top teams in the league. Um, Jacksonville State was trending toward that. I still don't believe they're in that same echelon, so to speak, but fool me once, fool me twice, fool me thrice. I will go back to the well, gym. I, I still believe in the home court value, um, especially in this kind of revamp conference. Now, exactly, Jacksonville's actually you know, across country from Murfreesboro, but still it's just a, a, a good home spot. I trust it. I'll back it. And yes, it will be an ugly game because Mills Tennessee's offense is a disaster right now. And they have just no talent offensively, no skill. It's just smoking years. That's why they've lost games. Um, so maybe I'm still a fool, a stubborn fool, Kai. Yeah. They're, they're the second worst ATS team in the country, Mills Tennessee, and they can't score that. That's the reason why Jacksonville state's been great. They're legitimately good. Um, I, I tend to think they win this game. Now, the, the point in Middle Tennessee's favor is they kind of take away what Jacksonville State wants to do, which is pound the rim. Um, they, I think they're they're among the tops in the country, excuse me, Middle Tennessee in disallowing. You know, I say that actually, I have it reversed. Middle Tennessee allows quite a bit at the rim. Uh, they have a pretty low two-point percentage of defense, which has been great uh, in, in conference play at least, but they are allowing shots there. So I take that back. Jacksonville State, with their ability to offensive rebound, we know Ray Harper's style of play is physical, and we know their talent this year is elevated with Kiki Tandy, right, coming over from Xavier. I think Jacksonville State gets it done. I'm I'm totally out on Middle Tennessee. Yeah, the full emergence of Mason Nicholson. I mean, he's not a star for Jacksonville State, but he's starting to play like 20 minutes a game, giving them a true seven-footer, 6'10", 280-pounder to go with a bunch of big wings and Brigham, Purdue, guys that can really rebound from their positions. Jacksonville State is a bully on the glass, especially in this conference. I, I could see them just not, you know, completely dominating, blowing out Middle Tennessee, but just slowly but surely kind of crockpotting them because Middle Tennessee's offense is terrible. There's no shooting, no shot creation. If they can't get to the free throw line, they're really not going to score. So, yep, gonna gonna probably stay away from that game because hey, it's trash man pick of the week, and we do not need to dumpster dive if we don't have to. All right, wrapping it up, guys, with the spotlight section. We're going to hit a couple more games rapid fire here. It is the Oops All Game Previews spotlight section. On Wednesday, Matthew, Colorado, and Washington out in the Pac-12. I know you've been impressed with the Buffaloes lately. Do they get it done at the Huskies? No, because Washington's at home, Jim. Um, that's the only reason why. I like Washington. I know without Frank Kepning, his team has been a shell of itself, and Colorado's getting healthier, and they're playing defense, and – I like what I've seen from the Buffies, but uh, I just think the home spot here, especially with this kind of awkward Wednesday schedule, I think after this week, the Pac-12 goes back to its normal Thursday-Saturday routine. But I think this kind of herky-jerky um, setup is going to work well for the home teams. Just my theory. All right, Kai. In the SEC, you get Mississippi State on the road at Florida. Gators have been much better at home despite a, a narrow L to Kentucky. But they just got their first road win at our Missouri Tigers. Do they continue taking care of business here with the Bulldogs coming to town? Florida, a slight minus three favorite. Uh, I'm not. Nope. I'm staying away on this one. I don't trust Florida whatsoever. 
Uh, I've been on Mississippi State a couple times, and and they've been not that great the last couple of games here. Uh, you know, they competed with Alabama, I suppose, but they were still at home. Should have probably won that game covered. They they didn't get it done against Kentucky. They kind of struggled with Vanderbilt. So uh, yeah, I, I these are two teams I'm not really comfortable with currently. So it's a stay away for me. I'm gonna bet the Gators there. I I, 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 I don't too. fully trust them either, but I think that they can battle in the in the paint. They've got the four big guys they rotate. They got the size. Uh, they've got a little bit more guard play, shot making, but it's watch scary, what man. it's scary. watch what the game closes because it closed three three and a half against Kentucky, and if it's three three and a half against Mississippi State, there's something wrong. Market yeah, likes Mark, Florida. Market likes Florida. Marco will probably take it to five or six. Yeah, yeah Marco likes Florida. All right, Colorado State at Nevada. Matthew, you are my West Coast correspondent today. The Rams headed to Nevada, a very tough place to play historically. Do you think, uh, again, this is very close to pick em spread. Ken Pum's got it minus one for the, the Wolf Pack. You're the Wolf Pack whisperer. What do you think happens here? Man, three-game slide for the Pack. They don't look the same as they did to start. We always thought they were a little bit overvalued, perhaps playing a little bit above their heads. Still a good team. Is this kind of the get-right spot against Colorado State, who hasn't been a little bit shaky the last couple of weeks? I know they got the big one against UNLV. They probably shouldn't have won that game. Yeah, they're they're healthier. They're down against down Air late. Force. Yeah. Ew. Air Force needed OT to escape that game. Their last two road games, though, they've been competitive, right? Lost by five at Utah State, lost by seven at Boise. But they need to win this to actually cover for you if you're looking to bet this. I don't know. I kind of lean toward the home pack just on the spot. How about the SOCON? Uh, go to down to the mid-major level, a couple more games here. Sanford has been the dominant force in this league so far. But Furman has been the historical best team in the league, and they are healthier now with Marcus Foster back in the lineup. Sanford, a road favorite, minus two at Furman. What do you got? Super, super scary, but I'm going with the Paladins in this one. Um, yes, I, I think it's is. it's the ideal spot. If Furman gets the best team at home, Furman still can be the best team in this league, and they are still a bit undervalued just because of their injuries. They, their three best scorers have all missed time this season in Foster and Pegues and Alex Williams. They're all back. They just uh, beat a really good Western Carolina team. You're going to get probably a favorable spread here. I, I Furman maybe closes a favorite, a slight favorite, but if you get them pick or as a slight dog, I think it's a good spot to back them. Even though Sanford's scary, Jim, Furman needs to take care of the ball. They can do that. And Furman should be able to rebound the ball effectively against the Sanford team. I'm riding with you. Really good spot for the Paladins at home there, I think. On Thursday, Matt, you get one, and Kai gets uh, our final game of the week. SMU at North Texas. You've been giving love to the American on both this show and our three-man weave pod. These two teams have been the sneaky contenders, could potentially even rise up and, and win the league. SMU is now uh, more narrow odds to win than Memphis, so they are ahead of Memphis in the betting market. What do you think, Matt? Road, slight dog at North Texas, minus one for the Mean Green in Denton. Yeah, there's a reason the Mean Green are awesome in Denton. Um, they get a lot of calls, and the way their style plays, it's certainly prone to that whistle imbalance, being Kyra on the wrong end of that a couple times this year early on. However, SMU should have won at Memphis, won pretty handily at East Carolina, a tough place to play, won at Murray by a million, won at Florida State by 11, should have beat Arizona State at Arizona State. This team's road-tested, and it's just a really good team. I'm taking the ponies here. I'm riding with the Pony Express. Yeah, some injury concerns there still for North Texas with Jones uh, and with Bugs trying to make sure those guys are back fully healthy. It does seem like this SMU team just has an identity figured out. All right, last one, Kai. Gonzaga in the WCC. We talked about the net tiebreaker and the incentive to win by a lot, but 
for that tiebreaker to matter, they're going to have to beat San Francisco, who St. Mary's just rolled the Zags minus nine at home in the kennel with San Francisco coming to town. Is that too many points for the Dons? Yeah, on the surface, maybe it feels like a lot, but Gonzaga dominates the Dons at home. And I, I think they will continue to. I think San Francisco, I said it against St. Mary's, they're overvalued. Um, they've beaten up on bad teams. They've blown out bad teams. They've competed with better teams, but they have not gotten it done against those better teams with the exception of Minnesota, who, you know, take take them for what you will. But I think it's a different game against Gonzaga. I think the Zags pull away, get it by double digits later. I kind of expect San Francisco to take money. So you might get this one at less than Kim Palm's nine-point spread. Yeah, it does feel like it was a cute storyline for a while that maybe San Francisco could be the best team in the league, but then really fell flat in their first mm-hmm. test against St. Mary's and potentially could do the same here. We know they love to get up for that game, but uh, it's still a little bit of a talent gap between the two. All right, that wraps it up, fellas, for this week's episode, Wednesday episode of Big Bets on Campus. Thank you to BetMGM for sponsoring this episode. Thank you all listeners for tuning in. Enjoy the uh, Friday episode this week that's coming later in the feed. We will see you next week, Wednesday, here on Big Bets on Campus. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.